brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Twisted Mirror. As usual, content warnings are in the show notes. This is a violent true episode, so please take heed if this could be an issue for you. If you enjoy Twisted Mirror, please leave a rating and review where you can listen to podcasts and share with those who are a fan of the macabre as well, whether it be on social media platforms or just by sending a direct link. Word of mouth is by far the most powerful way to grow the show, which will allow me to continue to dedicate more time to creating new stories. You can find Twisted Mirror on IG, TikTok, and Facebook, where there is both a group and a page. Finally, Twisted Mirror has a Patreon, where you can get episodes at least a week in advance, bonus content, and some other perks. All this can be found by searching for Twisted Mirror in the search function of these sites, or by going to twistedmirrorpodcast.com. And now, on to the show. Today we take a few steps back from the mirror and observe our own reality in another true horror episode. You are now staring into the twisted mirror. The holiday season abounds with cheer. The warm glow of colored lights nearly everywhere you turn. Signs remind you to have a Merry Christmas or offer season's greetings. Familiar, cheerful jingles play in the background of every public space. We tend to let our belts loose a notch and treat ourselves as we get out our coziest sweaters and fill up on comfort food and sweet treats. Children joyfully, or sometimes not so joyfully, sit on Santa's lap, hoping he'll fulfill their wish list. At this point, Christmas is so embedded in American culture that it often transcends background or religion, and for many is a time for all to share joy and gifts. There's also a host of other holidays celebrated that time of year, adding to the feeling of togetherness. But there's a darker side to the festive season, For where there is light, there are shadows. If you don't have friends or family to celebrate with, or money to lavish others with gifts, or are going through some other form of struggle, the ubiquitousness of holiday cheer can serve as a magnifying glass to your troubles. Every commercial, news story, or social media post highlighting the smiles money and vast support systems others have can feel like a constant reminder of everything you lack. On those quiet holiday nights, when everything seemingly stops for all to pause and celebrate, sitting alone at home can make it feel like the world has forgotten your existence. Most weather the emotional storm 
Others, tragically, succumb to the pain by harming themselves. Others choose to spread their pain, a shocking contrast to a time of year where many allow themselves to slow down a bit and focus on connecting with others. One such person donned arguably the most popular symbol of the season, a rosy-cheeked, rotund, jolly man who travels the world over with his magic reindeer at lightning speed to bring children joy and used it for unimaginable destruction. This is the story of the Covina Massacre. It was Christmas Eve, 2008. Extended family gathered in the home of Joseph Papa Joe Ortega and Alicia Sotomayor Ortega, his wife of 53 years. It was a large family gathering, with reportedly 25 to 30 people in attendance, including three generations of the Ortega family. The grandparents, Joseph and Alicia, their five adult children, and their grandkids. After dinner, family members broke off in their own little clusters. The kids congregated in the back of the house, many playing video games while others hung out in the backyard. 17-year-old Michael took some time alone, as teenagers oft do, using the computer on the second floor. The two elders, the heart of the family, Joseph and Alicia, played poker at the dining room table with their adult children, James, Charles, Leticia, Alicia, and Sylvia. The family was large and close-knit, and the Ortega grandparents loved hosting their children and grandchildren for the holidays. It was getting late and some family members were setting off, making traffic a bit busy at the front of the house. Joyful chaos was in the air as some partygoers collected their things and bid each other goodbye. Suddenly, there was an unexpected knock at the door. Little eight-year-old Katrina, Leticia's daughter, called to the revelers with excitement. Santa Claus, Santa Claus! As she ran toward the large man donning a full Santa costume, gift-wrapped box in hand, who was entering the home. She must have thought her dream was coming true. A direct visit from old Saint Nick on Christmas Eve. There's a special type of glee that a child feels on Christmas Eve. One that is hard to hold on to as we age. It's pure. Innocent. Magical. What she didn't know what no one understood at that time was that underneath that familiar costume, one that symbolizes generosity and cheer, was a monster, a bitter, small human being who would indiscriminately bring tragedy and terror to the Ortega family. Sylvia, one of the adult children of the elder Ortegas, had just finalized her divorce from Bruce Pardo on December 18th, 2008. A few months earlier, in June 2008, 
Pardo had been ordered to pay Sylvia $1,785 a month in spousal support. This was later waived due to Pardo losing his job in July. While divorce and job loss are both tremendously stressful events, don't feel too sorry for the guy. He was fired because his boss discovered he had been fraudulently billing clients. Though spousal support was waived, he was still ordered to pay Sylvia $10,000 as part of a settlement. She also got to keep their dog and her wedding ring. Pardo must have felt like the eternal victim in the story of his life. A man scorned. A good guy who the world had treated unfairly. The divorce shattered him, and he wasn't going to let Sylvia go on with her life without him. There was no way he would let her win. So, Pardo would make a statement. A spectacle. He would make Sylvia rue the day she left him. He knew how close the Ortega family was. How much they supported each other. It wouldn't be enough to inflict violence on Sylvia. He aimed for cruelty. He wanted to dole out righteous vengeance like an Old Testament god. Pardo would wipe her existence and that of everyone she ever loved off the face of the earth. On a day normally glowing with love and warmth in the Ortega household, Pardo would bring devastation. During the divorce proceedings, this very well-adjusted and sane human being began to craft a secret plan, one that included a Santa costume, a homemade flamethrower, an arsenal of guns, a booby-trapped car bomb, and an international getaway. Once Pardo entered the residence, there was chaos, so events are pieced together in news reports from witness accounts. Many did not talk to the press, in corroboration with the FBI. As young Katrina headed towards Santa, gleefully informing the household he had arrived, he pulled out a 9mm handgun and shot her in the face. Santa then proceeded to open fire indiscriminately at fleeing partygoers. James, one of Sylvia's brothers, was shot. That's when Charles, the other brother, recognized who Santa was. It's Bruce, a voice believed to be Charles, yelled before being shot. Despite both being severely wounded, James and Charles desperately tried to stop the deranged gunman before he could inflict any more harm on their family. In an L.A. Times article, Irma Chapa Ortega, a cousin of the adult siblings, recounted, Even bloodied? They got up. They stood up, she said. They tried to grab him, to, to stop him, but they couldn't. The elder Ortegas, the remaining adult siblings, Leticia, Alicia, and Sylvia, and perhaps one daughter-in-law, helplessly hid under a table. It is believed Pardo then shot all but Leticia under the table, execution style. Somehow in the frenzy, Leticia managed to escape physically unharmed, 
running after her daughter who she saw fleeing the house. Miraculously, the little girl had survived the close-range gunshot to the face, likely because she turned her head at the last moment. As other gatherers scrambled, running to save children and flee, Pardo, an engineer by trade, unwrapped the gift box he had been carrying. In it was a homemade flamethrower, some sort of device that would mix high-octane racing fuel and carbon dioxide or oxygen. Witnesses said he began to spray gasoline throughout the house. But the guy who had planned for everything didn't consider that there might be some open flames in the house on a chilly December night. The fumes reached two active fireplaces and triggered a massive explosion. Most of the grandchildren were able to escape, but Michael, who was still upstairs, was in the path of the explosion, and though he was spared of gunfire, he ultimately did not escape Pardo's violence. While planning his fiery vengeance, Pardo, in his infinite cunning, did not seem to realize that cheap polyester Santa suits and flames could be a terrible match. In the explosion, he suffered third-degree burns on his arms and legs. The burns were so severe that the suit melted into his skin. He ripped off what he could of the costume, changed into street clothes, and fled in his rental car. From the Ortega household in Covina, he drove 30 to 40 miles away to his brother's home in Silmar. The house was empty as his brother was away at another Christmas party. Pardo entered the home and sat on the living room sofa. He then proceeded to do one good thing that night. Well, two if you include fusing melted polyester into his skin. By putting a gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. This ending wasn't Pardo's master plan. No, he thought he could annihilate a family on Christmas Eve and ride off to Mexico and sip on some margaritas on the beach or enjoy some frozen maple syrup in Canada. I suppose the ghost of Christmas present had other ideas. There was mass confusion in the aftermath of this brutal attack. The house was burned to the ground. A number of the bodies were unidentifiable and Many people had fled the scene. Leticia, the one surviving Ortega sibling, and her daughter Katrina, the little girl who was shot in the face, were already on their way to the hospital when police arrived. As officers tried to comprehend how this quiet family home had become a pile of ash on Christmas Eve, Pardo was on the run. They put out an APB on a suspicious car a neighbor had witnessed leaving the area. Meanwhile, in Silmar, Pardo's brother, returning home from a Christmas party around 3 a.m., found his brother's body. I would be remiss not to mention that even in his final moments, Bruce Pardo made sure to center himself, putting his brother, reports do not indicate he was ever a target, in the traumatic position of walking in on his dead body in his living room on Christmas morning. With two different police forces responding to the suicide and fire, 
it would take some time before all the pieces would be put together. Police soon received confirmation from witnesses, including Leticia, that despite the Santa suit, it was clear that the deranged shooter was Bruce Pardo. When the police went to search the car left in his brother's driveway, they confirmed it matched the description given by neighbors on the evening of the attack. Inside, they found thousands of rounds of ammunition, and the car was rigged to explode when the Santa suit was removed. It did, in fact, explode, but no one was hurt. This was all in addition to $17,000 found strapped onto Bruce's body and a plane ticket to Canada, scheduled to leave Christmas morning. A bigger picture of Pardo's plans came together when a man in Pasadena reported a suspicious car parked in front of his home. Police discovered that Pardo had rented this vehicle. Inside it were supplies such as maps of the U.S. and Mexico, food and water, and two computers. This is believed to have been his intended getaway vehicle. One final switcheroo to throw off the police. The location of the vehicle also clued investigators into the fact that Pardo may not have been finished with his rampage. It was parked a mere 500 feet from Sylvia's divorce attorney's home. A possible final stop Pardo had planned before fleeing the city. As details emerged about the months preceding the attack, it was clear Pardo had been calmly calculating the murders. According to friends and acquaintances, Bruce was all charm and smiles as he discreetly purchased firearms in intervals and at different locations to skirt California gun laws. While Bruce Pardo likely saw himself as a man who was the victim of an unjust world, someone who was righting wrongs committed against him, those who knew him spoke of how callous he could be. One moment he was kind and fun, the big lovable guy at 6'4", who relished being the center of attention, but he could just as quickly turn it all off if it suited him. In the late 80s, he convinced his then fiance to dip into her savings to fund a country club wedding and trip to Tahiti, only to leave her jilted at the altar. As if that wasn't cruel enough, he emptied her savings of $3,000. In an LA Times article, Pardo's former fiance recounted the experience. Whatever he felt like, he did recalled Delia, the former fiancé. There was no sense of responsibility. A few weeks later, she saw Pardo again. He was tanned and he was looking good, like, wow, Delia said. Turns out, he went to Palm Springs and blew all the money. A co-worker stated that Pardo seemed to relish in breaking the rules. He'd hacked systems at work he wasn't supposed to. He'd come and go as he pleased from work. Officials believe Pardo's rampage was triggered by pathological narcissism and OCD. In a pathological narcissist's mind, they are the center of the universe 
and everyone else orbits around them. Others only really exist to serve the narcissist and feed their bloated, weak, insatiable ego. While they may walk around exuding confidence and demanding everyone admire their greatness, deep down inside lies a painful truth. They are ordinary and flawed, just like the rest of us. Confronting that is too earth-shattering, too painful. So they will double down in any way they can to maintain the false sense that they are special and entitled to whatever they desire. In a narcissist's world, they are blameless superior beings. So anything that goes wrong must be the fault of someone else. Sometimes, the lengths they will go to protect that carefully constructed but frail worldview can be dangerous. Pardo could play Mr. Congeniality, but that would only be the case so long as you maintained some sort of value to him and didn't challenge him. He would just as soon leave you broke and humiliated while he tanned in the desert and spent every last penny you had. And somehow, he convinced himself he did nothing wrong. Another ex recounted that when she almost drowned on a rafting trip, Pardo laughed, unable to sympathize or comprehend the seriousness of what had happened. It seems those who knew him all described him as a brilliant engineer, who was generous with a big, fun personality, the kind that filled up a room. But when you dug a little deeper, something was off. And that behavior is what ultimately led to his divorce with Sylvia. He was a coworker of her brother-in-law and the tall, extroverted Pardo won her over quickly. But as soon as they married, it was like a switch went off. Pardo got dark, distant. He became secretive and possessive about money. Sylvia wasn't happy but hoped it was something they could weather. That is, until she discovered one of his secrets. Pardo had been claiming a child as a dependent on his income taxes, one she didn't know existed. Pardo stonewalled Sylvia when she asked, so he went to his mother. His mother, who adored Sylvia, told her the truth. That Bruce had a son, one who had drowned in a pool under his supervision. Though the child had survived, he was permanently disabled. While upset at first, Pardo did what he had done in the past when he no longer had use for someone, and walked away. But he made sure to claim the child on his taxes despite offering no financial support. This was the last straw for Sylvia. How could she trust someone who had lied about having a child? Someone who would use the disabled child they abandoned for a tax break? Sylvia had hoped they would have children one day, but this was not a man she would ever want to raise a child with. It had become clear to Sylvia that the lively, affable man she married 
wasn't the real Bruce Pardo. Or at the very least, that was just a sliver of who he was. Once they separated, Sylvia asked if she could stay in the home while her daughter finished kindergarten. After returning from a niece's birthday party, she found all her belongings outside on the driveway. Pardo, perhaps unable to empathize with the emotions of those outside of himself, sincerely thought that after all the emotional coldness, the controlling behavior, the lies and spite, that he could reconcile with Sylvia. After all, he's a great guy. Everyone loves Bruce. Couldn't she see that? But Sylvia was done. And so began contentious divorce proceedings and Pardo's private, steep, downward spiral. It seems in Bruce Pardo's mind, he could screw over anyone he wanted, but any consequences that came his way were the true injustices. Apparently, what was good for the Bruce wasn't good for the gander. So, in the preceding months before the massacre, he acted like he was chugging along, acted as if the divorce was a sad and unfortunate hump in the road. Sure, he was bummed, but he'd move on. All the while, he was working on his sinister plot to destroy those who had dared to hold him accountable. If there was collateral damage, that was acceptable, maybe even preferable, so long as it hurt Sylvia. One of the people on his hit list was his own mother. Pardo was expecting her to attend the party that night since she had grown close to Sylvia and sided with her throughout the divorce. But she wasn't feeling well and stayed home instead. An old friend in Iowa Pardo had gotten in touch with around the time of the divorce said he seemed embarrassed that his finances and the circumstances of his firing over fraudulent billing had been aired out publicly in court. Pardo simply couldn't handle the repeated blows to his ego in such a condensed window of time. He couldn't accept that his own actions had led to his job loss and divorce. Even his own mother couldn't convince him. It seems Pardo had been able to evade consequences every other time he had hurt someone or at least dusted himself off quickly and recovered. The guy who had always found a way to be on top, sometimes at another's expense, was truly down and out, jobless during a recession, struggling financially, and alone. He had lost complete control over his life and the people in it. How could this happen to someone in his mind, so charming, magnanimous, and brilliant? It had to be Sylvia's fault. Pardo's secret rage was building, and they would all pay for crossing him, putting him back into the godlike position he so coveted. While Pardo stocked ammunition and caught up with old friends, he had a neighbor who owned a costume company make him a custom extra roomy Santa suit. Pardo doubled down on his double life until the very end putting up Christmas lights on his house, telling his brother he'd join him at a party. 
signing up to be an usher at Christmas Eve Mass, and even making plans to visit that friend in Iowa on Christmas Day. He had even purchased a plane ticket. No one knows why he made plans he likely never intended to fulfill, except that perhaps he wanted to create a diversion for his escape. My hunch, based on his Southern California location, is he was going to head to Mexico and hoped the scheduled flight to Canada and stated plans to visit Iowa would send police in the opposite direction, giving him time to disappear. As Pardo exited his home, heading over to the Ortegas with five guns, countless rounds of ammunition, and a homemade flamethrower slash gasoline sprayer packed into his car, he greeted his neighbor in the usual way and told him he was off to a Christmas party. We know what happened next. Though Pardo tried to snuff out the Ortega family, those who have survived do their best to come together and cherish the memory of the ones they lost by keeping family traditions alive. Leticia, the youngest sibling and sole survivor of the five adult children, finds herself in the unexpected role of the matriarch of the Ortega clan. That night, she lost both of her parents and all of her siblings. Both of her sisters-in-law and her nephew were also murdered. I lost my identity completely, she said in an article for the Daily News. I always used to tease them that I have five sets of parents. Everyone telling me what to do and how to do it. I can't even tell you how much I miss them. The Ortega family still gets together over dinner, still celebrates good times and reminisces about the past. But the holidays will forever dredge up the pain brought on by a man who cloaked himself in one of its most recognizable symbols before committing unimaginable horrors. Now, their Christmas gatherings include a trip to the cemetery. Katrina, Leticia's daughter, had surgery to remove bullet fragments from her cheek. She is a young woman now. In 2018, she was featured in an article highlighting her participation in protests against gun violence and had big plans to attend a prestigious university. She discussed how her mother who also adopted a niece orphaned in the attack, taught them to take back power from their attacker by continuing to celebrate Christmas and associating Santa with good things and to live a life of purpose, the ultimate way to honor the ones that were taken from them. By those acts of love and perseverance, they defy the man who wanted to erase their family off the face of the earth. Pardo took so much, murdering nine people, orphaning 13 children that night, and injuring others. But as hard as he tried, he cannot erase the people he murdered. They will live on through those they loved and who loved them. The time friends and family shared with them will be remembered as a gift 
That is something someone like Pardo could never understand. Bruce Pardo will be remembered as a coward who couldn't even face his own flaws. A petty, weak man who never took responsibility for his actions. A liar. A man who couldn't handle rejection. A man whose final actions amounted to a childish, brutal temper tantrum. Whenever people think back on his good deeds or his booming laugh, they will know he was a fraud. They'll know he died alone, in great pain. His costume melted to his arms and legs. A failure. For someone whose ego was so fragile, what people thought of him likely mattered quite a bit. It appears in his final moments, the complex mechanisms he had built to protect his psyche had crumbled as he sat there, alone in his brother's living room, knowing he would not drive off to the next chapter of his life, the hero of his story. Bruce Pardo finally had to face the reality he had been running from, that his greatest enemy, the person he truly was a victim of, was himself. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. 